today with Jeremy Pierce, director of JP Associates, and also one of the key linchpins of TDAG in the Southwest. And Jeremy has been working for nearly 18 years. You're coming up for your 18th birthday at JP Associates, working with developers and house builders across the region and a bit further afield to ensure that trees thrive and flourish on new developments. But sadly, it's not always the case. So, Jeremy, could you tell us a little bit more about your work and what you think a route to success for better tree planting and better tree management on new developments might be? Yeah, we I set up JP Associates in um, 2000, so we have been going for very nearly 18 years. Um, just prior to that, I was working as a, a manager in a large contracting firm, and one of the developers who we were working for sort of pointed out that there, might, there was a potential conflict of interest and suggested I become a consultant, and the rest is history, so to speak. But yes, our work is principally developers and principally the, the national house builders. We do do work for smaller developers, but it tends to be the bigger the regional offices of the bigger bigger developers. And obviously we have such a need to build, it's become a real pressure on local authorities and central government always bringing out paper after paper on how they're going to deliver homes for people who haven't got any at the moment and can't afford it. But actually they, everybody has a right to green space, so how do you think we can manage trees in the long term in terms of engaging with the developer and then their management afterwards? Because we're focused on the houses but not the supporting green infrastructure that goes with it. The I, yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Trees are essential. Um, the evidence is beyond question that trees are essential for all of the ecosystem services. And yes, we need to increase our canopy cover. We are, I think, the lowest in Northern Europe, which is sort of scandalous, really, because we're a, an island. The planning system is is changing. I think it has to change. The other thing, of course, that's happening is that the local authorities are being consistently uh, cut back. And we did, as part of TDAG Southwest, we did a, a very little informal and snapshot study of of what tree officers and and people in general thought of the planning system and um, whether it worked and almost without fail every single one of the respondents said that no they felt that the that the current system wasn't working so actually I'm talking more about planning now rather than trees specifically but things do need to change and they sort of are changing and and I've because I've been going for a while I've I've seen several changes and the changes are continuing um the consultants who the arboricultural consultants who who do work in planning we all know what we're talking about we are perfectly competent just as the tree officers are also perfectly competent but the tree officers their roles are getting cut back their budgets are getting cut back so i think it's it's largely inevitable that the private sector will have to fill the void and our roles as professional consultants will expand to, to I guess to sort of fill the void however that wasn't the question you asked me you asked me the question about trees and I said yes of course trees were essential um, I am worried that with the huge push to build houses 
that trees and I guess ecology and everything else will sort of get pushed to one side in in the drive to build houses and I have seen several cases where we have been discussing negotiating over a, a particular tree or a green issue only for the client to go quiet for a little while and then a week or so later lo and behold they've had some round the table meeting with a with the usually with the um, the local members and <clears throat> the issue that we were all concerned about has been sort of bypassed and they have said no don't worry about that now that's all sorted so I yes I am worried that trees and green issues are being pushed pushed quietly aside so if we <clears throat> can't always trust that developers I mean obviously they have so much on their plate your master planning scheme green infrastructure is a part of but obviously we're talking about huge organisations with a lot of internal infrastructure that needs to be negotiated you mentioned to me once maybe outsourcing the management of green infrastructure and potentially suds on a scheme might be the way forward so that developers actually don't need to spend all that time negotiating to actually get the trees in in the right way or they don't have to have that expertise in-house that they can trust that part of it to an external consultant not just the master planner do you think that might be a way forward yes yes indeed and i know that i haven't i haven't been following all the the press recently but i know there was a a big move a while ago to get the local authorities to provide the infrastructure there's certainly the big strategic infrastructure for developments um extra which is where we are at the moment is of course close to to cranbrook which is one of the one of the big new uh towns in the country and it was it was put forward it was nominated for a, a planning award because it, at the time it was it was exactly a, a good example of how the um, government wanted to plan and implement these big new strategic developments but from a, a green perspective and a trees perspective it was it was it was well let's just say it didn't work so yes things need to be changed I, I wrote a blog a little while ago I'm sure all of four people read it um, and at the end of it I said exactly what you have just said that I'm wasn't sure I posed the question I said perhaps developers aren't the right people to implement large green infrastructure projects and I think I probably stand by that I think one of the the issues is obviously maximising the space on a development for units as well as green infrastructure. And do you think that when you work with developers, it's 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 quite difficult for them to make that economic case for balancing out space allocated for green and blue infrastructure and maximising on the units, especially with this push for delivery on housing. It's it's almost we need to negotiate with them to work out what the best approach might be in those circumstances, giving them solutions to solve those climate problems. Yes, yes, I think that is is very true. And I know that Green Blue are, are promoting that. And I think that is is a very valid way. And I think it's probably the, the way forward. Yes, if we could, if we could all get round a table, put together a design team around building green infrastructure and 
largely take it out of the hands of the developers. It would be a very good way. Developers, bless them, are, are um, private businesses at the end of the day, and they are beholden to their shareholders, and their management teams are very aware of that. And while it might be unfair to say that the bottom line is absolutely everything to them, it is certainly the major factor. And green issues do tend to get pushed aside. And I would would personally love to see that take taken away out of out of their jurisdiction. And I think they would probably appreciate it too. Yes, I mean, if you talk about appreciating it, obviously one of the things that developers do like, if you're deve- if you're giving um, a housing scheme its marketing potential, they often like to sort of cash in on the, the green credentials of the new development and say, this is your future housing area, this is where you can live and work and play. We've got blue infrastructure, we've got trees on this development, come and live here, this is how we sell it. You know, you often see sort of photos on new build properties all with trees, all with natural infrastructure. <laughs> and then you arrive there and actually the reality is somewhat different. So perhaps they would appreciate the actual planning taken away, but they very much appreciate the results, I think, it's that, done well. That's very true. I also rather suspect that they'll be the first ones to, to moan if the green infrastructure isn't delivered as it, as it should be. But uh, yes, I, th- I, th- I think this is probably a model that we, as a sector, need to explore. So, do you think, in terms of moving forward, that the long-term management should always be, you know, given over to a management company, which is the sort of common practice, isn't it? It is. Uh, I think is there al- way? almost without exception, management co- the developer sets up a management company which the new residents all pay into and it's set up entirely independently of the developers and it ticks along as it will. Of course the management company itself is a commercial entity and it will need to make sure that it look after its interests. But the, the management of trees on development sites and green infrastructure in general is nothing new. The, the emphasis and now that we understand and appreciate the, the importance of it is, is certainly new but the, the management of trees and green space and, and the countryside it, is is nothing new and it, it, I suspect that looking back if we were to look back now in a generation's time we would see a cycle of some description no, I, I completely agree with, with what you're saying that obviously we're, we're only now just appreciating to its full extent what green infrastructure does for us with new natural capital accounting methods and ecosystem services approaches and one of the one of the other concerns is that it's only really on developments where the house prices are at a critical point where we can afford to or the developer can afford to provide a decent amount of green space they're happy to give over more space to greenery when they're getting enough per unit so that they can actually afford to give more land over that isn't for building on. That's kind of one aspect, that it's luxury developments that get more green space. Yes, that, that is and certainly the case. There is a worry, and I, I was talking to a colleague in Southampton recently who said that they'd tried to explore putting more tree pits into details around social housing in the city. The idea that, you know, even where the, the unit values are not as high, 
people do have a, a right to decent green infrastructure. And what do you think the implications of this could be? You know, where what does affordable housing mean? What, how do we sort of have this allocation of units? Some of them have to be affordable housing, so the developer's losing money there in a way, and then having to provide green space. It's that that relationship between the the importance of social housing or social housing as a topic is is really a hot topic at the moment, and. Uh, Interestingly, I was at a business meeting a couple of weeks ago and the chief executive from Mid-Devon was talking. He, d- he did a very good presentation. I was, was suitably impressed with him. And Mid-Devon are actually themselves building houses, which is almost unheard of at the moment, whereas a decade ago, a generation ago, they were building a lot more. And it will, I would be very interested to see indeed I must get in touch with him and and talk to him about it how they're going to incorporate um, trees and green infrastructure into the development and I hope that they will be more amenable to increasing the the trees within the development but even, even local authorities can't get away from the the pure economics of land values, which is is really what is the crux of the issue behind it all. Land is so valuable and so expensive that whoever is building it, building the development, they will have to maximise their space just in order to make it all stack up, no matter whether they have got shareholders or board of directors or if it's a council just working for the local community. It, it will still need to stack up. And I'm really interested in, uh, I think it's the way forward, that companies like Green Blue are incorporating, um, using... You can include include the tree pits into the suds calculation, which is another string to the bow because we're saying, no, you you don't have to provide exclusive land area for trees because it can serve dual purpose, if not multiple purposes. Exactly, and um, one of the the other um, benefits, I suppose, of using trees as part of suds on a new development is, and I was working with Northamptonshire Joint Planning Unit to create some new guidance for developers about how to creatively use their green space allocation. One of the advantages is the space, because a conventional sort of suds component, it's a lot of space on a development to have an open water feature, or a, a pond, or something like that. Whereas if you have a tree pit that's delivering on amenity value and sides, you're not squeezing the space mm. available for building houses. But obviously it's a capital investment and convincing developers that a capital investment in tree pits serves all these multifunctions. It's getting that message across, I suppose. Indeed. And saying, if you spend the money now, you don't have the maintenance in the long term. But obviously they're, they're gone at that point. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing which I have always felt and then touched on in that in my first blog was that a developer's interest in any development project is is really only a matter of a few years 
I suppose if you're a smaller developer, even even less. But on the, the projects that I'm involved with, the developer will be packed up and gone within five years. And of course, five years is absolutely nothing in the life of a tree or the establishment of green infrastructure. No, I mean, a lot of local authorities have been experimenting with actually asking them to do the planting before the houses. I don't know, what do you think about that, about sort of integrating the trees from an, from an arms perspective? Is that a work of I solution? think that is a very good idea, as long as the land is set aside and they, it is explained in words of one syllable that the developer can't use the, the area. Construction and rapid construction, which is what we need, is not an easy thing to manage and the developer will naturally be trying to, be looking to use the space he needs in order to organise it. <laughs> but yes, if we could set aside land, that would be great. And indeed, five BS5837, the British standard that we all stick to, does say that, that the tree protection areas should include areas of tree planting. But in the 18 years that I've been doing this, I can probably count the number of times that the tree protection is included. Future tree planting areas, probably on the fingers of one hand. So, yes, I think that's a, a brilliant idea. So, if you could give sort of three top tips to developers for moving forward to conclude, <laughs> what would you? What would the three key takeaways be? I mean, how can we improve the situation? You you've worked with them for eighteen years. You understand the mindset, the culture behind developing large volume schemes, and obviously they've got the TDAG documents, the the great principles behind that. But how do we translate that into language that a developer can really? That's a really interesting question, a good question, and honestly, you have stumped me slightly, put me on the spot. Um, I actually, just to take a sideways look at that, um, at Christmas, uh, one of the technical directors of one of my clients, I rang him up, I needed to ask him a question about something that he, we, I've known him for the whole 18 years I've been trading, and he said to me at the end of the conversation, could I write to him and let him know what he needs from me? He, I, I do a lot of work for them, and, and we're almost partners, really. That's certainly how I would regard it. And... Your question is is really the same as what he was asking me. Slightly different take on it. I think the first thing is he, a developer, needs to involve us early on. The number of times we're brought in far too late is is commonplace. We they need to involve us early on, and they need to talk to us. The projects that work best are the projects where they have design teams and people and the, the developer listens to the design team. So engage us early, listen to what we're saying. Three reasons, what else can they do? I'm, I'm gonna leave that open. I, th I think the, the whole sector is changing, uh, planning is changing. Um, yeah, I think just listen to us and talk to us. Early stage intervention is pretty much the main thing. Yeah, yes. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy, and uh, we look forward to hearing more later on.